Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Wednesday, July the 19th, 2017. We're coming to you live and direct from WODU Studios on the campus of Old Dominion University. I'm in the studio with my girl, Paula B. Hey, hey babe. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. You know we have these two new virgins in the studio. I know. That's I all know. their virgins at. It's been a long time. Yeah. A very long time. <laughs> a long time. We have LaVar Oliver, who we call Shorty. I call him Shorty. Yes. How you doing, Shorty? I'm great to yourself. Good, good, good. And then we also have my boy, Mr. Omar White. I call Kabaza. Where all these new names came from? I mean, all of them is my real name. <laughs> really? Yes. My middle name is Kabaza. Kabaza. Oh, you? Nobody really knows what my middle name is, Kabaza. Omar. I didn't. I never made it up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> how y'all doing? Pretty good. How are you? Great. Anybody nervous? I'm not nervous um, at all. Really? No. Nah. Usually people, they come in, they're nervous. But by the end of the show, they're like, oh, my God, this is so much fun. We like the center of attention over here, so. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Can I hear you? I, can, I really can't. Do you have your, can you hear you on the speaker? I can. Hold on, let me see. Say something. Hello? I can't really hear you. So what we will do is we're going to move Kabaza around, slide that over to her. Okay. Evidently, evidently, Paula has something that people need to hear. <laughs> no. But they're twins anyway, they told me. Yeah. That's, but, that's what we are this season. Yeah, that's what they told me. They're twins. Really? Ooh, okay. yes. Let me, Let me slide back. Yeah. Feedback. You got it. You got it. All right. All right. All right. So everybody's week going good. This is... What do they call it? Hump day? Hump day, yes. Hump day. Wednesday, praise way. Yes. yes. What do you call it? I said praise way. Okay. Oh. Yeah, because you know oh. normally Wednesday is Bible study. Yeah. Oh, it sure is. I skipped yeah. Bible study tonight for this show. You did? I yes, died. <laughs> okay, okay. So tonight we have Mr. J.L. King. He is the guy who, you know, I think in the 90s, he wrote a book on the download, which exposed a lot of people. A lot um, of people. Yeah, a lot of people. Um, nothing that I, was, I wasn't surprised about. But he has a new book called On the Download 2. So he's going to be calling in the night to talk to us. He says, you know, nothing's changed. Um, we're going to talk to him about that. We also have Angeline Hart. She wrote a book called Gorillas Make Great Lovers. I've always known that. But she's going to come in. She's going to talk to us about um, her system, which will help women, not you because you're married, but other women like you, you know, find that Mr. Right. I'm excited to hear about that. And then you Are can, you? Yeah, you can start a class, you know, and help your sisters. Oh, yeah, a yeah. absolutely. I, so I, they won't I, be on the download, number one, and then there's the, the, 
Did he do it today? No, he didn't. It was very <laughs> curly on, what did you do on Friday? Because it was really nice, and then the curls are coming out. But then I was at the Jerk Fest this weekend, and it was very humid, and, and then, then it, it started raining. raining. And then I drive with my windows down, so the wind is blowing. So my hair looks like 1970s. But I think it's a little sexy, though. Yeah, I, you I, like big like, hair It anyway. looks like bedroom hair. So that's not the finished product? No. Oh no! She don't try to hot. Come. He's yeah. trying to be rude already. Yeah, he, I get your beer, I get your beer room. Don't come from me. It'll <laughs> <laughs> it, it, definitely be some slow music. Or, yeah, long long you better you. let him know. <laughs> you better let him know what time she it is. She said she's the diva. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the I'm the diva yeah. in this room. Yeah. She got a fan and everything. <laughs> yes, which I'm about to turn back. So we have a host of things to talk about tonight. But if you want to call in, you have a comment, um, something somebody said maybe tick you off. You want to say a few things to him. Call 757-683-4405. You can also see us here in the studio live at YouTube at WODU Live. But the first thing I want to talk about, so I have a question. So, you know I'm a little shady. I, ha- I don't really go out, but every now and then I think about going out. But I read a new study that was saying that, you know, sometimes going out, you're too old to go out. When do you guys think, what, what age do you think is considered too old to go out? It's funny. Cause I and you like to that. go out. All the time. But that's the difference between where you're going out at. Like, because I'm 36, so I said I'm too old to be in the club. Uh-huh. I'm not one to try to get on the dance floor and do all of that. And it's too hot because I'm too old. I'm too tired. My body And they, and they said to like the club, that. to go to a club. But I, but I feel like at a certain age, like maybe 35 and up, you know what I'm saying, nice bars and nice little lounge areas is a nice little um, get-together. I just think at some point your body should be tired of the club, uh-huh. you know. What do you say, Omar? I'm I'm a little <laughs> bit older than him, and um, yeah, I find myself, you know, enjoying the club. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I think it's um, your I personally feel your old as you feel, and um, I do a lot of um things. Amen. Yeah. So um, yeah, I find myself um in the clubs a lot. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes I feel I don't want to say a little bit out of place, but um, but most times, you know, uh-huh. I I enjoy it. You uh-huh. know? So, but what do you what do you think that age is? Because they gave an age. It's too well, old to go to a club. I don't, I don't. And they surveyed 5,000 people. I'm probably going to say 45 uh, if they surveyed. Uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's low. That's, yep. that's low. Well, that's, no, it's high. That's high. You were closer. Yeah, yeah like 35. So well, the eight, okay, so, so according to a survey by Curry's PC World, the magic number is 37. They said they carried oh, out a survey of 5,000 adults and found that 37% of participants went as far as saying that it's tragic seeing those out at clubs who are 40 or older. Um, the study also s- says that by the age 31, many people prefer staying home than going out, which is me. They desire um, not to be hungover the next day and also enjoying um, home comforts for a social life or going to a party, like a house party or something like that. You never seen that well, old I, guy in the club and he just dancing? You were like, I know he's yeah. too old to be up here. But why? Why does it, why does it have to have an age limit on it? Why does let me let me just rephrase it? Why does fun have to have an age age limit? And two, why are you judging? And that's judgmental. 
mm-hmm. saying that at a certain age a person should not be in the club. Why is that? And why is there age limit on fun if that's something that they enjoy? It's not an age limit on fun. It's just the type of fun for your mm-hmm. young, young group. You know what I'm saying? But who's, this, who's, but the, who's, but the thing, like, who's to say that that's... Well, it's, it's a personal belief of mine. And, and you can say it's judgmental. And I, everybody in the world is judgmental about something. Mm-hmm. If you don't like something, you're judging it regardless what it is. So the judgmental thing is out. But it's just like sometimes it's just like where are you at in life and what kind of energy. That so you're you saying that. No, no, I'm saying what kind of energy that you want around you at a certain point. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like, because so, to me, in my opinion, you know, sometimes when people go to a club, that's an 85% percent chance that somebody's trying to go home with somebody. And what do you look like? You that older person, Colossus? What are you saying? I'm trying to yeah, go home with somebody all the time. Come so on. that means, well, actually, I, know you know. <laughs> I took this class. It's called um, Critical Accountability. Uh-huh. And one of the main things I learned out of the class is how we tell our own story. Uh-huh. So what you just said is what we learned in the class. You're telling your own story. So what you're saying is that you're looking at somebody. You're like, oh, my God, they're so old to be in here. And why are they in here? And they're probably in here trying to pick up somebody. So you have convinced yourself of that's why they're there. So now you're going to tell Omar, oh, my God, Omar, look at that guy. I know that they're in here trying to pick up somebody. That And that could be so far from the truth because they may be in a club because they just like to dance. Like, yeah. I like going, I, I'm a dancer, so I love going out, and I love age. Can we take this question yeah. a bit further, though? Wait, mm-hmm. let me just tell you my age, and let me, okay, so, well, people think that I'm 38, and I'm not, I'm 57. You look, you look amazing. Amazing. Thank amazing. you. But, but I, I like to party, I like to dance, it's not about drinking, because I've surpassed that, mm-hmm. but I love going out socializing, I love having a great time, and... Most of the time, you find me on a dance floor because I love dancing. So when you go to, <laughs> <laughs> right. right. But, but I was well, just saying that because I believe all of us, all of us take vacations. Uh, yes. Um, and you know, show us. I don't know all of us, but how many of us been to Las Vegas? Yeah. I mean, so do when you go, do you party? Do you go to clubs? You know, you go to Miami. Do you party? You go to clubs? Yeah. I, I mean, I think we all do. Yeah. I mean, so maybe it's like when you're in your hometown, uh-huh. you might not party uh-huh. as much as versus when you might go out, you know, and take vacations. I think that might be because um, it's a different scene, right? And so when you yeah. guys, it's a special occasion, right? You know, right? So I mean, it's like some people don't like to um, go to bingo. Yeah. Right. I mean. So bingo, when you bingo, talk about bingo, you, but what I'm saying, right. But what I'm saying <laughs> is that people put an age limit on bingo because only old ladies with blue hair go to bingo. If you think about bingo, you think about older people, your Nana or somebody going uh-huh. to bingo. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. But that's so far from the truth. The image that but people have. The people M- ex- absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it's, like, it's like in the club, you like when you say you go to the club and you be dancing and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure when you see these young girls on there and they, bending over and touching their knees and just gyrating and all that type of stuff. You'd be like, ooh, child. Well, that's that's the new wave. That's I mean, that's their time. This is their time. That's their movement. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when I was out doing dancing, we were dancing to Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. doing our movement. You know, my parents but saw that that was dancing. too much. I mean, your dancing yeah. is still seductive. Yes, it is very seductive. <laughs> yeah. I am a seductive Oh, because you're a dancer. You're looking for your Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. But, um, Yes, I'm a dancer, yeah. and I, I, it's just something that I really like. Like um, back in the day when my parents danced, mm. you know, they would do the swing and stuff the like that. The hand dancing. The hand dancing, and I know how to do that. So mm. I've been fortunate to know different genres of dancing, mm. and um, I just love it. Like I like the salsa. I love I love so doing do you, that, and I'm good like at it. Every Friday night, oh, I got to go out and go to the club or something like that. 
Well, mm, at this point in my life, I, um, because I'm on a journey where I like to just go and just enjoy myself. Um, shelf life. I, right, shelf life. I'm just right. talking about my shelf life. And I work 40 hours a week, 160 hours a month. Right. I'm locked down. Correct. So when Friday and Saturday come, I want to go out and do something. Right. I want to enjoy my life. I just don't want my life to be, okay, I've worked 40 hours a week. Now I have to come home and do what? And see, I kind of agree with that. Are you married? You might yeah. ask him. No, I don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you married? Yes. You are. And so I'm not. I'm looking for a relationship. And I feel like, so where are the people who I want to date, where would they be at? You know, and sometimes you can find them in the clubs. You find them in church. You find them online. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm not really an online type of person to where, you know, I want to scroll down, you know, look for somebody <laughs> that I don't know. You know, and I'm not looking to meet up and tell you to come to my house either, you know. So I like going out. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, and that's the only way I'm going to find them. I'm not going to find them in the house. No, you definitely got to find. I mean, you I, may find him in true. like my grandmother used to say, um, if you find a man in a club, leave him there because he, he ain't no good because he ain't looking for somebody. But that's not necessarily the case. I just think that when people say let's go, let's go look for fun or less things to do, there's more other things to do. Absolutely, than club, you know what I'm saying. But like for me, like I said, my personal ex- for me, I don't want to be on every Friday night. What am I way into the club? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because that gets old. You know what I'm saying? If I don't mention the club for three years, I ain't found nobody in the club yet. <laughs> I need to change up some things. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come you change your club. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true. I mean, I don't, I don't want to go to the club all the time, and that's true. Because there's, there's a lot of ways to enjoy yourself. Absolutely. I'm just saying that don't cut your life short just by staying in the house. Okay. Yeah. So, what do you want to talk about, babe? Well. I told well. I want to talk about somebody that I real. I love his music. I think he's multi-talented. Uh-huh. Um, can sing many genres of music, but I'm just upset. R. Kelly. Mm. Um, I was watching Good Morning. Well, first my girlfriend called me because she's a big R. R. Kelly, Kelly fan. fan. Yeah. Oh my God, absolutely. My girlfriend Kristen loves R. Kelly, mm. and she was like, "Oh, I just read this article about R. Kelly mm. about him having these women." captive in his house, six mm-hmm. of them, mm-hmm. brainwashed. I'm like, where did you read it on YouTube? Because I, I hardly believe anything that's going yeah, on YouTube. Right. I'm like, if I don't see it on Good Morning America or Channel mm-hmm. 13, I'm not trying to hear it. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, but I think it was really, I think it's real. I'm mm-hmm. like, nah, I, I don't believe it. So sure enough, I turn on TV, Good mm-hmm. Morning America, what do I see? Mm-hmm. A mom on the mother of the girl that's living with R. Kelly. Well, she's saying that she captive. Mm-hmm. He's keeping her hostage. Um, she's brainwashed, and um, he has, like, a cult thing going on. So, you know, in the past, R. Kelly has had many uh, run-ins with um, little girls, younger women. That's, you know, that's his Achilles heel. That's all I can say. So the mom was saying that she just wants him to return her daughter. Um, She's there, you know, um, he's holding her hostage and not of her own free will. Well, the FBI went in. Talk to the young lady. You know, of course, TMZ was all involved. Because, yeah. you yeah. know, if it was on TMZ, you know it's, it's for real. <laughs> so she was saying that, no, that I'm fine. You know, I want to be here. I'm not brainwashed. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where I want to be because I just wanted a break from my parents. I just don't want to be bothered with my parents. Mm-hmm. So, of course, now it's all over the news. And, you know, now our Kelly is, you know, his concerts are all over the place. And he's supposed to be coming here next week. So and I, oh really? Yes, he's supposed okay. to be coming here next week, and I submitted a request for an interview. Mm-hmm. But I heard that a lot of people are protesting, <coughs> protesting, and not buying tickets. Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. 
because of this issue and many other issues that have preceded him. However, you know, R. Kelly makes amazing music yeah. and people love him. I, I mean, I just think that, you know, unfortunately, when you're an entertainer, mm-hmm. um, your life is an open book mm-hmm. if you let it be. And, you know, women, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but girls are, women are groupies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They want to get in. You know, the, the athletes, there's some that get to the second floor, there's some that get to the third floor, but there's ones that make it all the way up oh, to that fifth is, floor. Yeah, right. You know, because right. it's all about those coins. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, those girls, you know, they know what they're, they're grown. Mm-hmm. You you know what time it is when you get there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about the slap and tickle. You you pretty much know that. I think um, I was I was watching an interview and they were saying that, that there was a lady that was in the house who were basically coaching the girls on how to please R. Kelly. Um, and then they were talking to one that actually she spoke out. She said, yeah, she said because she was promised like music deals, but the music deals haven't come around yet. <clears throat> right. And, and that's, I'm sorry. And, and, you know, that's the business. Yeah. That's how it is. You know, you have to, in order to get mm-hmm. that contract or to get, get, be in the background for the but CD. But why would he have to do that? He's R. Kelly. I mean, other than the fact that he's 50, you know, and, this, it, and you know, people age shame sometimes, but I was thinking. Because he he, he can. I mean, but why would he have to hold people? They were saying that he's holding them against his will. But, but, you know, like the girl, they they weren't in the house. And the girl was saying, no, I'm here. She could have left right then. Yeah, exactly. But they said because she was mentally fit, Mm -hmm. um, she was in good health, Mm -hmm. she was in good spirits, they left her. She said she didn't want to leave. One of my issues was one of his former employees made a statement. So my thing is like this. So if you work for R. Kelly and you see this going on, why you didn't report anything to, yeah. to now you don't have a job no more? And now you're probably looking for a check. So now you want to report it? I just feel like that, okay. Oh, what did he say? It was a female. She was like, yeah, she, she co-signed. She said that, yes, the girls are being held hostage. Oh, wow. And they only eat at a certain amount of time. They take baths at a certain time and they go to sleep. And they said she came out with a whole full interview and – um. And I'm thinking to myself, so you was around doing this, so you yeah. didn't try to help the girls at all? Right. You didn't try to free them? But now that you're no longer employed by R. Kelly, and... She want to check. And now you want to check. That says something about your character. And they always kill me, because it's even like... It's just like, okay, they try to take Bill Cosby down, all right? Right. Uh, Everybody came out, oh, he guilty, we guilty, we're going to boycott Bill Cosby, da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And now all the just about all those charges are dropped against Bill Cosby. Yeah. And now people want to support and build back Bill Cosby well, again. Well, my issue, I, I kind of felt like, you know, nothing was really done in the beginning when he was, you know, urinating, peeing on the, the young girl yeah. years ago, mm-hmm. you know. And so I felt like, you know, R. Kelly being as powerful money-wise, you know, and you said he's a very good singer, great music, all those things. And sometimes, you know, he like people might feel that they're more powerful than what they really are. But it, because he got away with one thing, you know, most people continue to do things, you know, until they're caught, you know, and then. I felt like they didn't do as much as they should have done in that one particular situation. I'm trying to say that I guess that they, they couldn't identify the fact that that was R. Kelly or whatever the case in that video, right. you know. And so I think that you know I don't think it was enough done in that situation, and because of that, it's still thing he can. I guess he feels like he can continue to do whatever he wanted to do. Well, here here's my thing: where are the parents? That's what my mm. because that that young lady that you you're referring to, I think she was no more. Than like 14 and 15. But the thing of it is, when you looked at her, you would thought that she was like 
20 years no, old. And the way she was dropping, she was doing that thing. She was doing stuff that I didn't. I, I mean, I was like, I'm watching the video learning from her. You understand what uh-huh. I'm saying? So how does she know it? How does she learn how to do that? Where is her parents? Uh-huh. That's my number one question. And uh-huh. how does she get there? Yeah. Where were you? Yeah, where were you? And that's what I was saying too, because the girls they only on the story they said they only been with R. Kelly or been captured for seven months, allegedly being captured for um, seven months. First of all, if I have a daughter and I know the history of R. Kelly. Why am I letting R. Kelly? Why am I letting my daughter go to an R. Kelly concert by herself? You know what I'm saying? So then the thing is, so you let your daughter go to R. Kelly. I mean, that's that's a little negligent. Like uh, you know what I'm trying to say. On your end, as a parent, you know what I'm saying. So now you want to get up here and make a story about it but where were you at when your daughter was going to this concert don't say that she went and you didn't know because that's even worse that's child neglect mm-hmm. right so okay i have a i have a friend that um well she's passed away um she met rick james mm-hmm. and um so he i mean he liked her mm-hmm. and they were gonna hang out she was gonna go on tour with him but there was a stipulation and the stipulation was if you go on tour with me you have to do me and everybody else on this bus. Oh, whoa. When they want to. You're my own. And it's so easy because I was a big, I was young. Mm-hmm. I was a big Parliament Funkadelic, still am, mm-hmm. fan. You know what I mean? And I had Google eyes for the guy that sang Tear the Roof Off the Sea. That one, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, you know, I met the background singers and, you know, I'm talking and, He's talking to me, and I'm talking to him. I'm just thinking I'm cute, knowing that my parents are going to be picking me up, right? Mm. So um, he asked me for my number. I gave him the number, you know what I mean? Not thinking that the guy is going to call me. And um, he calls me, and he says, hello, my speak." My dad answered the phone. He's like, hello, my speak to Paula. And my dad's like, Paula, some guy's on the phone for you. And it's like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. My heart is beating fast. I'm fur- I'm nervous. Mm. So he's like, hey, this is Ray um, from Parliament. Um, where where do you live? Because we want to send a mothership to come pick you up. I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I don't know what to say. Yeah. Because I'm thinking I've grown cute. I got this number. I'm all excited. Mm. You know what I mean? And my dad is on the other end listening. Listening. Uh-huh. And he's like, if you don't hang up this phone right now, who is this calling my daughter? And what mothership are you talking about? Right. I just said, click. I mean, it was the most embarrassing thing ever. But you see how easy yeah. it is yeah. to to do that. Because yeah. you get so caught up. Starstruck. Starstruck. Yeah. Yeah, I was starstruck. <laughs> was well, crazy. when you know better, you do better, right? You ain't go, right. did you? Uh, no, I didn't. Are you kidding me? I had a curfew. You had a curfew? All right. Okay, you know what? I think our first guest is on the line, Mr. J.L. King, you know, a couple years ago, I think in the 90s, he shook the world with his candid inside information about that whole D.L. phenomenon. Um, And he's back again with a new book on the download, too. And he says things haven't changed. So we're going to have him on the show right now to talk about his new book and about the whole phenomenon. So we want to welcome to the show Mr. J.L. King. How are you, sir? Hey, young man. I'm great. And yourself? Doing well, doing well. Thank you so much for agreeing to do the interview. Congratulations on your new book and everything that you've been doing. We were talking about you a little bit earlier, you know, checking you out, seeing all the things that you're doing. You're also um, working with your counselor for HIV as well, right? Well, no, I am an HIV prevention activist. Okay. Uh, I really support those individuals who are on the front line trying to educate and prevent the continued spread of the virus as well as other STDs. 
song, yeah. I'm big, I, mean, I feel like I do a lot of other things. I, I'm on a publishing company. I ghostwrite other people's books. I produce plays. You know, you name it. I got my hands in the problem. What's up? So, how long have you actually been writing books? Wow, I've been writing, man, ever since I was in high school. Never thought I would be a writer. That was never my forte. Mm-hmm. Um, but just God has a special way to give you this talent. And uh, I'm a, more of a storyteller than I am a writer. Okay. Um, and what makes what makes best on the authors is that we we have to be able to tell stories. Mm-hmm. It's the people behind us, the editors and the proofreader. They are the ones who make our words come alive on paper. Uh, so I'm a great storyteller, and that's what has made me successful in uh, the 18 books I've written. 18? Wow. Yeah. Whoa. And uh, what, what what period of time? How many years? Oh man! Oh, oh man! Over the course of probably. I'm gonna say 20 years, maybe. Wow! So you're constantly writing. I'm, and not, that's 18 of my own. That don't include all the ghost writing I've done for others uh-huh. uh, that help them also become published. Oh, awesome! Awesome. How you doing, Mr. King? My name is Lavar. Um, my question for you is: What made you want to write your first book um, on the download one? You know, I never. I just thought there was someone. I. Someone needed to tell that story, and there are, of course, millions. I think of of men, white, black, Latino, Asian, that could have told that same story. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was nothing new. No one just ever told it in a public, in a public way. It was taboo. And as a, yeah, and so as a, as a father, as a father of a daughter and having a lot of play daughters and nieces, and looking at my own behavior and the behavior of a lot of my close and dearest friends, I just thought that women were really being... <laughs> Like that fool so bad they didn't even know what was going on. And then all mm-hmm. the funerals I went to and all my friends that died of AIDS and, and I just thought I just needed to tell the story to protect my own daughter. I didn't write it to be this a movement. I didn't ever thought that it would have the type of uh, success it did have and still have. I just wanted to tell my story so my daughter and my, all my play daughters could understand about the different behaviors that men do. I didn't want them to get caught up. All right. Hey, Mr. King, how are you doing? Okay, I'm good. All right, I had a question for you. My name is Omar. Um, mm-hmm. You said um, one of the reasons for the deal moving is that when most black people think of gay, they think of like movies, shows like Living Color with the cast mm-hmm. like Blaine and Antonio. Mm-hmm. I mean, Antoine, mm-hmm. sorry, not like LL Cool J or NBA or NFL players. Um, why, why do you think that's so? I think because of a lot of it is the media, man. I think the media has always um, showed black gay men in that type of role, you know, very, very effeminate, very, very clown-like. Mm-hmm. And even today, there are a lot of black gay men who get TV and movie deals because they have to portray that type of an image. But since I have used my book and my platform, I have put another light on, uh, on, on gay men, uh, that we are masculine, that we are fathers, that we are lawyers and doctors, that we don't switch, that we don't wear high heels, that we are as masculine as um, our straight counterparts Mm -hmm. and that has always been my number one um, message to women is to don't think that all black gay men are what you have been told they are Um, look at me and the times I've been on Oprah and, and Wendy and other shows I've always said that you know who I sleep with does not define who I am uh, as a man, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, I'm very comfortable, that I have children, I have a grandson. So I, I think I've tried to break that stereotype, and I'm glad now that 
some producers like Empire and others have showed black gay men in a more masculine way. Right, right, <coughs> right. Right. Hi, Mr. King. How are you? My name is Paula Hello. B. Mm -hmm. um, hi, Paula. Hi, how are you? Good. Good. What are some of the down low, I'm sorry, what are, what are the signs of the down low and how can women not find themselves in a relationship <sighs> with a man who lies about his sexuality? You know, that's a million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I asked. <laughs> we, would need, we, would need, we would need like five hours just to deal with that question. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not going to give you sign. They all know sign. You know, when everybody's tour, speak, your book signing for years, that is always, that question comes up every single time is what are the signs? And I always say, I can't give you that because the same signs of, of a man cheating with another man are the same signs of a man cheating with another woman, and vice versa, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so there are no telltale signs. I did put some things in the new book as well as the old book, but I always have told my own daughter and all my girlfriends that, you know, you got this intuition, and you know when something's not right. You know when your man is not treating you right, or you know that you feel that something's not right with him. And I've always told women, and I still tell them, if you have that intuition that your man is doing something that is making you uncomfortable, then you need to get nosy. <laughs> you need to get nosy. I, I know, but... Looking. I'm sorry, go ahead. But, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, but nine times out of ten, when you do feel like something is wrong, that your man is out there doing something, nine times out of ten, women think it's another woman. We, very, yes. we would never think in a million years that it was another man. Yeah, you're right. And so I think that's that why always, we're asking for the signs. There are no, in the new book, I started out with a story of a sister, a Facebook friend of mine, who reached out to me, and she said her husband told her that he had been having sexual relations with other men after she had found some type of a, some type of a, a gay porno DVD in his car or something. And so when she confronted him and said, are you having sex with men? He told her, yes, I am. And she said that she still didn't want to believe him, and she still stayed, and she said, well, why don't we go get counseling? She did not want to believe that her husband was having sex. He admitted it, and she's still with him. You know, so um, it, it, it's really a tricky, tricky question uh, because there are so many women who just refuse to believe it. Right. They don't want to believe it. They are comfortable in their where they are. You know, I met a lot of sisters. I live in Atlanta. I've met I've met a lot of sisters who are married to very powerful, very wealthy mm -hmm. uh, men who who have sex on the side with other men, and those women know it, but they don't want to leave that comfort yeah. lifestyle. They don't yeah. work. They they go to you know they go to parties and they spend money at, at you know on high, at high end stores, and they don't want to disrupt their lives just because he is having sex. They stay. They stay. Yeah. So do you think? So, Mr. King, when you um, came out with this book, did you know that you was going to be now the face of what is considered the down low? And then, how did you handle that? Man, it was hard. It's hard because I'm keeping my. I'm a father at the time. I was both of my children were in college. My son was at Hampton, and my daughter was at uh, Central State University, another HBCU. So yeah. they had to deal with being the children of the down low brother, right? Yeah, right. right. And it, 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 it was hard on them. It was hard on my family. Period. And so I never thought that Oprah would want me to be on her show, that and all the other, not just her, but all the other media coverage I've got 
during that period of my life. No, I never did, man. I never, 14 years later, and that book still is selling. It's been translated into 30 different languages. It's required reading at 15 universities. I never thought that, never in a million years. But it was hard, it was hard for me to, 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 to really grasp all that because I didn't have a staff. You know, I didn't have people. I didn't have people. Mm-hmm. It was just me. And even after I left Oprah the first time, I didn't have people. And just to deal with that type of notoriety instantly, you know, it was it was hard. It was shocking. You know, all of a sudden you recognize wherever you go, people either hated you or they loved you, and you know they wanted money from you, and they, oh, we, it, it became almost um, more hell than heaven. So, Mr. King, I had a quick question uh, about the book. Um, so, your, who do you think your your most supporters are? Do you think it's the LGBT community or more so um, straight women who are trying to figure out if their men are on the down low? I think it's women, not women who are trying to figure out, it's women who want to protect themselves and their daughters and their family members. Mm-hmm. I, the book was never written for gay men or about gay men, you know. I never, never, even though I got bad rap that I was outing gay men, never, ever wanted, my book was never about gay men. My book was never about outing anybody. It was my own personal life and how I was living and it had nothing to do with gay men. I had a lot of gay friends. I didn't write that book about them. Um, and I never have. I'm a gay man now, so a part of the community. Mm-hmm. But even 14 years ago, I never ever did. A lot of gay men thought that I was outing them. And I'm like, dude, I'm not outing you. You don't even have a liking or a desire or want to have sex with a woman. I'm just talking about those brothers who are bisexual, who are doing both and not giving their woman a, an opportunity to decide if she wanted to stay or not and right. to put her in danger. That was my message. You know, it gave my gay friends, and they're cool. They weren't trying to give them no females and trying to destroy their lives. You know, yeah. that wasn't even their interest. Yeah. One of the things that I was researching when I was researching, I saw that you had made a statement, which unfortunately I was a victim of. You said society teaches our young gay and lesbian children to lead double lives. Can you explain oh, that? Oh, man. I mean, I, even today I get so many emails from young people. I'm like 13, 14, 15 years old. 67 all the way through college who tell me that they know they're gay, they know they're lesbian, they're, mm-hmm. they're happy and they're comfortable in that skin, but their grandmother, their pastor, their mom and dad forces them or insists that they get a go into a relationship with the yeah. opposite sex because yeah. they want to be a grandfather or grandmother. They know their son is gay or their daughter is a lesbian, but they don't want that shame to come on the family. One right. of my brother out of Charleston, South Carolina, just told me recently that his grandparents had threatened that they would no longer take care of him, pay for his college education, if he continues to tell folks that he's gay. <laughs> they, 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 they refuse to, allow, to accept the fact that their grandson is gay and they're doing everything possible to get him to change his mind to get a girlfriend from even trying to hook him up with girls at the church. And we, and they, and we do that all over the country. We mm-hmm. force our LGBT youth who are maybe in college to look at who they love as going against God, going against True. family, going right. against, you know, everything. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I still have a lot of gay friends who are married. I'm married and at my age. They're married and still maintaining that front at my age, you know, who are still afraid to be who they are because of the their church, their family. Yeah, they're afraid. Yeah, yeah. Right. I... I... I did some research as well, and I was curious. I know that you wrote a book with your ex-wife called The X Factor, geared mm-hmm. to help um, other couples. How did that mm-hmm. work, and how did the healing, how did you and your wife heal 
through all of that to come together to write the book. I, I thought that was amazing. It took a long time. It didn't happen overnight. You know, she is my best friend. She's remarried. She's happy. We still get together for family gatherings. But way back in the day, she she had to get to a place where she knew that she didn't want to be unhappy for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. So she forgave me. She said, I forgive you. And she said, I do not want your mess to mess up my life. Mm -hmm. And we're going to use our story to help other couples so they don't go through what we went through. Mm -hmm. And she's very spiritual. You know, she's my baby mama, <laughs> you know, my first girlfriend, and uh, she loves you. She tells me all the time, I still love you. I'm proud of you, and I support you. So once she got to that place where she forgave me, we were able to move ahead and write the book. Hmm. You know, we have a question that was submitted from a guest. It says, if you knew all the threats, love, hate, et cetera, you would get, that you would, get would you do it the same way as far as writing the books, or would you write it anonymously? No, I would do the same thing. I think this, this book was my calling. Okay. Uh, I think it was. I think it was something that the spirit wanted me to do. He chose me. Mm -hmm. He could chose many men, many, but I was chose. Mm. Okay. Also, Mr. King, I have a question. Also, like you and your wife had to, y'all came with a book about um, how to get over um, the past. So you say you have kids. Then, um, if I'm not mistaken, you wrote something about teaching sexuality in school. Yes, I did a book. A partner of mine did a book. He's a professor at Clark Atlanta University, and he wanted to do it, write a book together so um, teachers, educators could understand how to understand young LGBT students uh, uh, because a lot of them still did not understand those LGBT students, LGBTQ students, mm -hmm. as well as they didn't understand if a, a student had two fathers, two mothers. They need to understand that whole culture. My daughter is a school teacher in D.C., and she also has been encouraging me to continue to push that with the education system because a lot of teachers and educators and administrators, they're still very homophobic. Mm -hmm. They're still God that does not make man, you know, for that. You know, right, they still right, have that right. attitude, and they put it on to the students, um, and it really hurts students, and they end up, you know, either suicide or becoming homeless or they end up getting a girlfriend, which kind of just keeps this whole cycle going again. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I read your um, your old book, I mean your first book on the download. Mm -hmm. And as far as your new book, I know you got one coming out. Um, what can I expect, you know, as far as the, um, the revelations and the DL movement coming um, from the new book? And when can I expect to get it? <laughs> it's funny that I didn't want to write a download too. It was the furthest thing from my mind. <laughs> but because of the demand for so many of my girlfriends, and you got to tell that story, you got you got to come out with something because that generation that was 12, 10 years old when you first did the first book 14 years ago, they're now 24, they're 25, they're 26. Mm -hmm. They need to know about this so they can protect themselves, so they can understand that this behavior is very much still alive. So I had to revisit some of the old stuff. I had to take people back from the beginning and bring them forward. In this book, I had the first exclusive interview with a download sister. You know, for years, I've been asking, why don't you write about download sisters? Why don't you write about download sisters? I'm like, I can't write that story. It had to be a, a woman who wants to tell her story. Mm -hmm. So in the book, the new book, there is a story about a sister who's on the DL, and she talks about her life of living, you know, with her husband and having a girlfriend on the side. Uh, also, I brought in other voices 
from individuals so that very interesting individuals to talk about their journey as grandfather and older men. Also, the whole HIV piece, I stepped away from that because that's not my area of expertise, but mm-hmm. I got Dr. David Melbranch, who is a renowned HIV gay doctor who put his words and his voice to deal with that issue. Uh, the book is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is freaking amazing. It's about 200 pages, I think. Uh, it should be released by August 1st. Uh, it just was a printer this morning. So I definitely will. You definitely got to get a copy of it. It's going to blow your mind. It's, it's, it's going to take you back, but then it's going to bring you forward to why things are still the way they are 14 years ago. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I have another question for you, though. This is Will. So I know you made the reference earlier that people were thinking that you were exposing people. Um, and when I was researching some hot topics, I saw that there was a gay blogger. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Markeith Rivers. He basically is on purpose. He's exp- exposing men for being on the download. But recently... He was shot, beaten, and robbed in revenge of exposing somebody. They went that far. So in in you doing this, when people were thinking this, that what, what you were doing, did you get any death threats or any assaults or anything like that? I did. I got a lot of death threats from mostly um, men who were mad at me because it made their wives take another look at them and had that very uncomfortable question of, are you having sex with men? Have mm-hmm. you ever messed around with men? A lot of women went that far. They just went straight to their lover, their husband. And, you know, they, I mean, their wife, you know, they went there. Their husband said, I read J.L. King's book, and he said this, and I want to know, be honest with me, are you having sex with a man? Have you ever? Um, and they got mad at me, so they would always, you know, take that anger out on me. Right. Uh, of course, a lot of gay men were mad at me again because they thought I was talking about them, but right. I never was. I never really exposed anybody. There's no names in that book or the new book. Yes, I know a lot of celebrities who live that double life. Yes, I've been exposed to that, but I will never, ever drop names. That's not who I am or what I want to do. Well, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I feel honored that you came on my show. How can people follow you? And then you said the book could be out probably in August. Where will they be able to get it? Uh, because I didn't want to sell this book to Random House, who published the first one, because one of the things that we just sell your book, like Elon Harris and others, oh, who had sold our books to major publishers, they own it, they control it, and oh, I yeah. never wanted to go through that again. They still own it on the download. I've been offered so many opportunities to do movies from Spike Lee to to Tyler to others hmm. over the years about my life story, but I refuse to let it go because I don't own that book. You know what oh, I'm saying? Oh yeah. So, okay. so this book here, this book here, I own. So it won't be, it'll be successful, but it won't be. It won't happen as fast as the first yeah, one did because right. I own it. Right. But you can buy it at on the download two number two dot com. I'm gonna keep it there for a while. Okay. Uh, it'll be an ebook on of course Amazon. It's definitely there. Okay. Um, and eventually I'll probably get a distributor okay. and put it out throughout the masses. But right now on the download two dot com is where you can order the book. Awesome. And where can they follow you on social media? Oh, of course everywhere. I got t- two Facebook pages: J L King, J Big J Little L King, and then two. Big, both caps, J. L. King. Uh, see here, Twitter, James, what is it, Dr. James, uh, Lewis King, uh, Instagram, which I just started working on. But Facebook probably be the best way to follow me right now. Okay, awesome. But again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks so oh, thank much. You thank you. Appreciate all you. I appreciate all you guys. I love you for this. And uh, you know, this is the second, first interview I've done for the new book, and uh, I can definitely give you guys credit for getting me ready for what's to come. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Good luck on your book, too. Good luck. Thank you.
It was an honor. Right. Have a good night. Dang. Okay. So, you know what to look for? I don't. He, he said there's no signs. It's, it's, it's nothing to look for. I guess, evidently, you would have to take that sign that your man is cheating and investigate. investigate. Here's a question that I will have for you. Is it how will you find out if your husband cheated on you with a man versus a woman? Do, do you think you feel differently? Because like with a woman, if he cheated on you with another woman, you're on the same playing field. Uh, but if he cheated on you with a man, how did that make you feel as a woman? Good no, question. I was, I was asked that question uh, before. And I, I probably would feel like any other woman, like mm. just, you probably just straw. You got, you got to be kidding me. And, um, but I would have to, I probably would have to take a moment to absorb all of that. Yeah. But cheating is a cheating, regardless of what a man or a woman. That just mm-hmm. happens to be your preference. And I um, probably would feel the same. You know, I, I think the betrayal would, is the same. So I got a, that's a good question. I don't want to cut you off. But um, I know um, there's a lot of things that people say they can't forgive, a liar, a thief, whatever. whatever. Um, some people have been cheated on in, in relationships and marriages, and they worked it out. Um, if your husband had cheated on you with a man, would that be something you found out about it? Would that be something that you could still work out, or would the relationship be over? If he if he said to me that you know this is my life and you know I want to be with a man, oh, okay. I mean I'm still and you know you don't fall out of love that easy, you know that quickly just because you said you you your preference is a man, you know I, I would have to say okay because that's what you want to do, um, but would I still love him? Absolutely. Because I've always loved you, mm-hmm. and I have unconditional love for you. Am I going to be hurt and devastated? I would be hurt and devastated if it was a man or a woman. Okay. Um, but again, your choice is your choice, and mm-hmm. and that's how I would deal with it. Mm-hmm. Period. I I think I wish we could have talked to him more because you know I believe in the beginning he was saying also that it was the black church and the black community that made him feel like he had to be DL. So I was wondering, like now that he done came out to everyone that like. Now that he said he's gay, how does it he feel going back into the black church? I, I don't know why they say to me, you know, we have to stop tagging black this, black that. You're gay. You know what I mean? You're a murderer. You know, it's crime is crime. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have any, You went to church. It just <laughs> happened to be a church with all African Americans. Mm-hmm. And that's what they preach because that's what it says in the Bible. So no matter where you go, they're still saying the same message. I'm we're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into that. Okay, well, okay. We're, uh-huh. we're going to scratch that last statement, please. <laughs> okay. that's, that's two different That's codes. a whole other show. I, well, I'm just saying, codes. I don't yeah. want to get too deep about it. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I look in our archives. I, I definitely think, and I'm, I was raised in the church. My grandfather's a pastor. I definitely think that um, people are going to definitely have different opinions about gay in the church. Um, yeah. But I also think that it's something called un- unconditional love, mm-hmm. and um, and it, and it has to st- be established at home, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, regardless of whether you were raised or were born in the church, you know, your family should be the ones to accept you first, regardless of whether they're in the church or not. And then it, the love should become abroad. That is know? true. So now, my daughter's gay, and um, and, and I'm you know very. She transparent. said thanks. 
I know. <laughs> I mean, they, they I mean, it took a long time for me just to say that. Uh-huh. You know, now so. I can. You know how they have those bumper stickers. Yeah. You know, I can put one of those in my car now. <laughs> you cool but, now? But yeah, I'm cool with it. But I had a very difficult time. Even though I'm real cool, mm-hmm. um, I had a difficult time with that. And after a while, she was hurting. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? My my daughter was hurting because one she just had a breakdown. Yeah. You know because she was like stuck. She couldn't live her life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And she just started. She's like, Mom, I'm just, you know, I'm gay. I want to be with my girlfriend. And she feels like her life. We were swallowing her up because she she was trying to please me, live this like this double yeah. life. Mm-hmm. And I felt I was broken because I saw all the hurt in the. T- but it was tormenting yeah, her, yeah. you know what I mean? And and I had uh, that was difficult for me to see. I still had a hard time with it. Mm-hmm. But now she, my daughter, told me on Sunday mm-hmm. that she's so proud of me, which made me happy <laughs> because she said, "Mom, they're crying." Yes, oh. you know what I mean. <laughs> that you have changed so much because uh-huh. that's my daughter through and through. And no, I did it, that for it, you. I just right. said to you. Yeah, yeah, you did. I think that's great because I think my mom has not. She has accepted who I am. She has not accepted what the. the the lifestyle that I live. The culture. And, right. And so I can respect that because I'm not trying to change her and how she feels about her God or whatever she believes. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she can accept her son mm-hmm. and who he is, that, I mean, nothing else matters. Right. I mean, we, I mean. Okay, well, wait a minute. Can, but is, can you separate the two? I, I that's, I'm not that's, God. That's the point I'm that. Her, I'm her child. So, I mean, that would be the difference. I want to go back to where you said that, you know, say when you go back, when you go home, love starts in the home and stuff like that. And I think, like, if, if I'm a, a teenager and I can't come to my mother and my father about this because I don't understand it, I just mm-hmm. know I have a new feeling. Mm-hmm. I would think the church is sure where I'd be able to go because you know if you like you said you're born in the church, you know saying you raised in the church, you got a relationship with your pastor, you got a pastor with the deacons, the first ladies, and everything. So <laughs> that I'm just saying that that's what you that you would think because I'm when I was in church all the time. You know, I said my mom had me in the choir and I couldn't even sing a lick, but I was there. But the thing is, you if you can't talk to your parents like. I feel like when you church or you choose to worship and stuff like that, that's where you should be able to take any burden that you have and discuss because you're not going to be able to. Not if if it was that easy about coming to your parents and stuff like that, I, I feel like these coming out parties and stuff would not exist. True. So how is the one place where I'm supposed to worship, believe that God is going to love me unconditionally, but if I go tell my pastor, he's going to kick me out of the church? How is that? Well, I, I mean, I agree with you. Um, that should be the place you go. But because I, I think I'm going to give the church credit for today. Absolutely. Okay. The church has come a long way. Going backwards, there's no way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they will whisper. Because, you know, most, and I'm not trying to be biased, but most of the choir directors mm-hmm. at a church mm-hmm. are gay. If you go to um, the gospel music workshop, my mom said it's the most flamboyant thing <laughs> ever. Mm-hmm. You know, but the thing of it is today, they are, the doors are open. I mean, I went to Will's church. It doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very diverse. And what was the other thing that you said? It very, your church is different. It's inclusive. Incl- and, and, and my inclusive. church is. But I, I'm a person, I told you, I've joined every church in Hampton Roads. <laughs> uh, my you church did. is in Suffolk now, almost Suffolk. Right. And I started in Virginia Beach. Why did and you change churches? I changed 
because I'm not going to pay you if you're going to sit there and bash me from the pulpit. Okay. I'll leave mid-service, and I've done yeah, that. You can have my seat. So, <laughs> but you, he in the club. <laughs> but you are supposed to love no matter what, yeah. no matter who. Mm-hmm. You should love. You should love unconditionally mm-hmm. and be forgiving. Mm-hmm. Those are the, and the but the one the most important thing that we're supposed to do out of all the word that's in the Bible love. is to love thy love. neighbor. Yes. And that's you know love is my favorite word. That's what you're supposed to do. It didn't say what kind of neighbor, mm-hmm. what color is the neighbor, who the neighbor's talking to. It said, I love thy neighbor. Right. And that's what we're supposed to do. And once you get that, you should be okay. Once the pastor's in the church, once they get it, and I think that they're, that's why I'm going to give them a little bit of credit because I think that they are getting it. You know, their doors are open now to anything because they want to pretty much heal the world, and that's what they should be doing. I mean, it was, I guess, I guess people felt that you was more so running them out of the church instead True. of allowing them to be in the church. And, um, and I do will say that, you know, as we were talking about the black church in the beginning, you know, it is, I would say, more, I don't, I don't want to say tolerating. I think that's the word I want to use. I don't know if I want to say accepting. I think it's more of, of tolerating now, but also because they need, everybody's a place to worship. Everybody's a place to worship because, you know, at the end of the day, everybody said, everybody will call law Lord, you know, <laughs> amen, whoever, you know. So, but if you push them out, you know, and technically y'all believe that it's wrong, mm-hmm. you know, how are they going to get delivered or how are they going to get set free or how are we going to whatever, you know, but there, there has to be a place and there has to be a platform for them to come in here, you know, and I don't, I don't, I'm not opposed to listening to a pastor, my personal self, speak about gay homosexuality. I mean, it's in the Bible. So, I mean, I don't need you to ad lib to it, you know, but, <laughs> free <style>. <laughs> <laughs> no, but tell, me, tell me what the word says and, you know, you could tell me what the Lord said. I mean, I'm not opposed to it, you mm-hmm. know. Tell me what it says, you know, and it's up to me, you know, and they say chew the meats without the bone. True. Right. I mean, I mean, they try to deliver, deliver you and heal you from being, right. um, being gay. But you know, look at Donnie McClurkin. He said he's not gay. He said he's not gay. He <laughs> said that he was delivered. You see my face. He delivered. <laughs> I know, but that's what he said. That's Donnie. That's we, we're sister. praying. We're still praying for him. We're still. But we have a com- to, we have a comment. Um, I think it was in regards to what you said earlier. She said a woman can't compete with another woman, but a woman can't compete with another man. Regarding meaning cheating, when we were talking about cheating, right? Yeah. But I don't. Why can't she compete with another man? Because it's it's a two, your, it's two your equipment's things. a little different. It's, it's 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 not even about the equipment. It's about the connection, you know. Because um, I asked this one person because um, he was um, I have some friends that used to be married, have kids and everything, and now they're gay. So I just asked him, what was the transition? How did it, how did you decide that you want to be with men? And they said, like, and it's all, I'll go back into the whole DL thing too. Also, like, they always had a desire, but they was fighting it because it was all taught that they was, it was wrong. wrong right. So that's, and, and I think that's exactly what the whole lot of the DL thing come from. Because in the household, where you say the household is wrong, you are taught that it's wrong, mm-hmm. especially in the black household. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm only speaking on a black household because that's the household I was raised in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in the community there, and it just tells you that it's no wrong. You're a black man. You're supposed to be with a black woman. Spread black love, make black babies, and keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do, you know what I'm saying? And being a man in your house, because they think, because 
all of a sudden if you're gay you're no longer a man yeah you're weak. And, and that's the stereo and that's what it go back to the stereotypes too like every man don't want to walk in heels or wear wigs mm-hmm. or do makeup mm-hmm. you know so i think i know some men that um offended when you ask like because uh, a female had asked this one guy that I know, oh, can you teach him how to do makeup? And he got offended. <laughs> and she was like, well, why would he get offended? Because she just think that because what she yeah. on TV, uh-huh. all men want to wear wigs, wear dresses and makeup. And I think instead of, you know, those are the stereotypes now that we have to fight. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's for us. Go no, go ahead, baby. For yeah. us, um, having a gay male friend is like the best thing since sliced bread. I'm just saying, right. women typically the stereo because right. you know you can talk to them about anything. Um, they can tell you from both perspectives, mm-hmm. and they're great on telling you the do's and don'ts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I call Will all the time. I'm like, well, he does makeup and hair, but you know, wh- should I wear this? Should I do that? I mean, they're like the best friend ever. See, you didn't the, call me. The, you didn't was, call me today. I had just read. <laughs> I, I was really hot. You know, I had to run home and take a shower. So it was so crazy. I just read an article about that today, uh-huh. and it said a woman will love a, a gay male friend until their child come out and says they're gay. Oh, yeah. So, and meaning saying, like, it's fine if, you know, I got one to hang out with, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes, I'm not saying this is you, I'm just saying like what you see portrayed, like sometimes women use gay men as an accessory. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, this girl, this is my boo, this is yeah. my daughter, that girl, he did my hair, he picked up my outfit. And you know what I'm saying? Sometimes like some people find that offensive. But if you're the same girlfriend that you have, and then you said her son come out gay, it's sometimes a double standard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? But Shorty, we're going to go ahead. You had a topic, and then I want to ask oh. Kabaz about prep. Oh, so my topic is um about... It was an article that it was some creator, some title of the creator. Oh, yeah. He said he's only date white men. He's a black rapper. I right. read that. And he only date um, white men. Yeah. And um, I wonder how you feel about that. Because I just, so, I understand that, that you have a preference. I get it. Everybody has a preference. Mm-hmm. You're entitled to your preference. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it's a different when you, you have a preference and then you downgrade a whole different race. Like, if I say I only date white men or something like mm-hmm. that because I don't like black men, that's where it become offensive. So I think in that but why? article... Because he, the article, I, I read the article too, the, and he said he's not into black men at all. Is that putting down the race? Yeah. So I'm not... I don't think so. So the thing is, it's, it, it, I don't think it's putting down the race, but if he's like, yeah, because black men are disgusting, I would just have to talk oh, to him. Oh, did he say all that? No, no, I'm just oh. saying I would have to talk to him um, and find out what is the detail because... Once again, I have a whole spectrum of friends. Uh-huh. And I have friends that say, I don't date black men. Mm-hmm. I will sleep with them, mm-hmm. but I won't date them. Mm-hmm. And I would never, ever, they would never give me to me as a black male. Uh-huh. I would find that very offensive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I just try to, I try to be open minded and try to understand where people are coming from, but I just really can't grasp that concept. Um, I've dated plenty of black men <laughs> in my 37 years. Um, where the white men at, please? <laughs> so you're, I'm open, the, you're open to it? I, um, I, I, I've dated plenty of black men. Uh-huh. Um, hence, I'm single today. What's Good today? Um, where the white men at? <laughs> but, what, 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 go ahead. No, go ahead, but why why would that be offensive to you? Because that is his preference. Do because you feel he's a, a black man. It's almost self-hatred. That's what I feel like. If you're a black man and you're in interracial relationship, that is perfectly fine. 
You okay. can do that. I have nothing wrong with that. But when you go to the point where you say it's disgusting or you just find them unattractive, you're a black man. How do you look in the mirror and not see yourself as an attractive black man? Let's yeah. face the caller. You're on the air. I can help you. Yeah, this is Devante. How y'all doing? Hey, Devante. What's, what's on, on your mind? Stuff? What's on your mind? Uh, what's on my mind? Yeah. Okay, so because this situation like this, um, I have this best friend, and uh-huh. he broke up with this guy. Uh-huh. And they had like a really clean breakup or whatever. So then the ex-boyfriend started coming around my, my house and hanging out with me. And we started kicking it. So then my best friend gets mad at me, but he was he clearly had no interest in the board. But he said that because that was his ex, I couldn't talk to him. Am, am I wrong for, for, for establishing something with the ex-boyfriend? So, wait a minute. So your, your best friend broke up with his boyfriend and then you and his ex got together? It wasn't like immediately. It was like over like over a period of two years. It was like immediately. Um, but your loyalty is with the best friend, or your loyalty is with his boyfriend. I'm confused. Well, I mean, I'm not loyal. I'm I personally think that um, I don't care how long it's been. Like I'm, I, I couldn't date, especially his best friends. I mean, the Tidewater area that we live in is very small. So um, you're always gonna run into a bump into someone that you know has dated someone else. But if you're calling someone your best friend or an immediate friend, um, I, I think it's very disrespectful and distasteful. Um, this is my personal opinion to be even trying to discuss or date um, even, someone even so if, close. Even if, cheat, even if you cheat on that guy? Um, I don't think that that's your... I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't think that, that justifies that right. you're dating. But um, I do believe sometimes you can find love in different places and wrong places. But I think it's all about how the delivery is. Um, when you started finding feelings for the ex or that you wanted to be with the ex, I think you should have had the conversation with your best friend to see how he feels about it. And if your best friend wasn't going to be open-minded and and wasn't going to take in consideration how you feel about that, then you have to weather wet friendships, you know what I'm saying? Because there are sometimes you have best friends that are selfish, you know what I'm saying? But it's also a thing called guy code too, you know what I'm saying? And there's... Let me see if this is the correct word. You know, there's sticks over, you know, tricks and stuff uh-huh. like that. So oh, we're going to use that. Uh-huh. I don't think any of those words are. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know what I'm saying? It's just on the delivery. If you would have had this conversation with your best friend and gave him but, the okay, opportunity. So, well, I, I, left, I didn't I did leave out a part. My best friend told me, he said, well, y'all should be together anyway. Y'all need to go ahead and talk. And so then he's I mad that y'all together? Yeah, so I was like, oh, well, that's he gave on him. That. You got to deal with those feelings because if you already what? had the conversation, yeah. Bro, so I mean, no, don't feel bad at all because well, now he and his feelings. You know what, Devonta? This is Will. Okay, so I'm, I feel totally different than both of them because I really don't care. Um, <laughs> and that's tied. Me okay. and my 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 ex, me and my ex were together 16 years, and my ex was actually dating my. Good, he wasn't my best friend, but he was a good friend, and mm-hmm. he introduced me to him, and there were there was chemistry between us, and. We were together 16 years after that. I didn't see a problem with it. So he was what? dating your best friend before he dated you? He was. They were talking. They weren't like in a... They had met each other and they were getting... The see, that's, 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 what, that's what the two age of dating. Like, it's like you don't... You either dating, talking, hanging out. Yeah. What's, what's the difference? I think well, that... Well, I um, think... Go I'm ahead. sorry. I, I'm going to agree with Shorty. And okay. then, and I, I know you don't. <laughs> but I'm just saying... I'm just saying that... If all three of you guys sat down, because it's a triangle, uh-huh. so if all three of you guys sat down, because it's a respective person as well, and said, uh-huh. hey, I have feelings for Shorty, uh-huh. um, well, we're best friends, mm-hmm. I don't want to just, how do you feel about Shorty and I dating? Mm-hmm. And if you say, you give me your blessing, 
then I'm going to go for it because that's going to let me know that you're going to be okay because I'm exactly. asking you, exactly. I'm asking exactly. you to be transparent with me. Right. So exactly. if, if you're you not going to be transparent, right, and you're going to do the dog and pony show with me, mm-hmm. then that's your responsibility and you're accountable for that because that is the feeling that you embarked upon yourself. Okay. But I'm asking you to, to, to be transparent. It's either it's okay. I mean, surely we're probably going to date anyway, even if he said no, right. but at least exactly. I asked you. But I, but I also heard you um, make a reservation to the fact that, but he cheated on him. Um, and I think that that's, that's not a fair um, statement to make, even though you want to date him, um, even though there could have been chemistry. Because I believe that when you're best friends, you and your best friends can pretty much talk about anything and, and everything. everything. Yes, and right. so, therefore, you know, you shouldn't be breaking, like you said, the guy code or that bond mm. between the two of you, even though you yeah, may I have I known. Tell, I didn't tell the guy. I didn't tell the ex-boyfriend that the guy cheated on him. I didn't, that's not my place to tell him. But mm. I do know that for a fact because oh, my okay. best friend told me. I didn't tell him that like, your boyfriend was cheating on you the whole time. I didn't tell him that because that's not my place. I, 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 get, I get it. But when the, you have to understand, when you was in the, in the process of defending yourself right. and you're defending your relationship, you brought up that point. So you have yeah. used that now subconsciously you have used that before. You might not know that you have done it, but subconsciously you done it. That that has nothing to do with the tape. That what you and your current friend. Yes, I'm not so your issue at hand is how do you maintain a relationship with your current person and your best friend? You know what I'm saying? You're, you have to understand that your your best friend is going to be angry, so you have to let him go through that. You know what I'm saying? For y'all to get back to where y'all at, he has to go through that because, you know what I'm saying, you have to understand at some point he cared about this person. Mm-hmm. At some point he confided in you about this person. So he probably thinking, if I'm sitting here confiding to my best friend about my boo, is he plotting against me to get with my boo? So if everything I said to him, is he used that against me to get with my friend? Mm-hmm. So that's just, that's the other way you got to look at it. Sometimes you got to take yourself out of the situation and look at it if it was to happen to you and how you will react. Yeah. Good luck to you. Yeah. yeah. Did they answer your question, Devontae? Can I get a wedding invite? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't coming. As, as of now, there is no wedding right now because, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I hope I, it works out even. for you um, and yeah. your new boo. And um, if not, you know, your best friend might not be around. Devontae, thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. You know what? Keep tuning in because we're going to have some hot topics out there. We have a guest coming up, but we have some more topics that you may okay. be interested in. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Okay. Good night. Thank you. Show So, Omar, somebody said I agree with Omar, but I asked which statement I haven't heard back. But somebody said they agree for some I reason. I agree with. I just don't think that you should do it. Um, I, I've had personal situations where um, my best friend's friends have been attracted to me, mm-hmm. and I've reciprocated where I was attracted to one of my best friend's mm-hmm. friends. You know, and so it, regardless of the chemistry, you know, and even though none of them are there together today, mm-hmm. I would never, and I could never. It was just you just don't right. do it. I, mean, I just can't. Of, right, I just can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think this is our next guest, Miss Angeline Hart. She wrote. Along with Dixon, I believe it's Schwink, wrote the Gorilla Love System and this best-selling book, Gorillas Make Great Lovers, which again I agree with. Um, they have identified twelve types of men and given each type an animal name based on 
his focus in life. This uh, fun system that moves people from the meat market, as she says, mentality of online dating. Instead, women can identify the basic nature of the type of man she really wants. No more Mr. Wrong. So we want to welcome to the show Miss Angeline Hart. How are you? I'm great. Delighted to be on your show. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, So, why do women feel as though they can't find good men? Well. (laughs) My my co-host Paula, she's laughing. So let's let's hear this answer. So, so Paula, have you had this challenge? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you a little story to explain it then. Okay. So about we live in southern we live in Southern California in San Diego, mm-hmm. and uh, the iconic Southern California car is a Prius. So about two years ago, my husband bought a Prius. Before he bought it, among the hundreds of cars on the freeway, I could not have identified a Prius. But now that we have a Prius, I can recognize a Prius even if it's three lanes away, and all I'm seeing is the back end as it slides behind another car. So, here's what happens. In your mind, we have a part of it, I think it's called the amygdala, that sorts for us. And it sorts and looks for things that are familiar. And so, Paula, what happens is probably in your early life, maybe your dad, I don't know, maybe your brothers, whatever, you had a relationship pattern, or maybe it was the first guy you dated. You had a relationship pattern and now what happens is your brain literally subconsciously keeps looking for a repeat of that pattern. And so you're going to keep finding the wrong kind of men until you learn a new pattern. Mm, I hate wow. to tell you that bad move. <laughs> that make, you know what? That makes sense to me. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, well, Lord Paula. <laughs> well, I think you're on to like, something. <laughs> Oh, I know I am. Yes. It's like this. Well, if you and Paula and I all went to a big cocktail party and there's 50 people in that room, Mm -hmm. we are going to automatically, subconsciously be attracted to the type of people that we are familiar with. Mm -hmm. So it will, let's just pretend, let's pretend you had a purple mohawk and a bunch of caps on your left arm. Okay. You're going to be attracted to... You're going to be attracted to the people who have the tats and the purple mohawk. Uh-huh. Exactly. exactly. Now, that, that's the surface visible thing that you can easily recognize. But subconsciously, we are attracted to certain kinds of familiar energy. Mm-hmm. So, Paula, I'm just going to, I'm going to make a wild uh, guess here. Let's say, Paula, that maybe your father was over-controlling was maybe emotionally abusive, maybe he discounted your <laughs> he discounted your opinions. Uh, maybe you had older brothers who made fun of you when you uh, tried to stand up for yourself or something like that. So what's gonna happen is when you walk into that room mm-hmm. full of you know all these people at this party and you're saying to yourself, tonight I'm gonna get me a good one. Mm. But subconsciously you are going to be attracted to the same type of energy. He's going to have on a different suit, and you're going to say to yourself, I found a good one. See, look at He's so cute. He's this, he's this, he's this. And six <laughs> months into person. it, or maybe even, yeah, it's the same person. Uh, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's really frustrating for women. Yes, <laughs> yes it's, it's absolutely. Well, this is Paula. <laughs> How are you? Okay, so my question is, where are the good men hiding, if they even exist? <laughs> well, let me start by telling you, Paula, they absolutely exist. And I do know the secret of where to find them. And I actually, cre- I, I honestly do. And I help women find good men all the time. And I actually create, I mean, you're a perfect lead-in for this, but Paula, I created a program to help teach any woman how to find good men that are uniquely right for her. My kind of good man, Paula, is probably a little bit different than the kind of good man that you would choose. So you want to find the right kind of good man for you, and I have a program that does that. And if any of your listeners want to, I mean, I've had women say to me, oh, my goodness, if you could really, truly teach me how to pick out the good men, how to find them, where are they hiding, under what rock, it would be worth $1,000 to me. Well, my my program costs a whole lot less than that because I want to help as many women as possible. And if your people or you want to have this program, you can find it by going to go.gorillalove.com. Dot com, and that'll take you straight to my little thing where you can sign up for that program. Awesome. Miss Hart, my name is LeVar. Do you find that um, married men are happier? You know what? They've done studies about that. Now, all the myths out there say that men don't want to be tied down. They want to be free to be with all the women they want, and it's the women who are trying to tie them down. But the reality is married men are happier than single men. And married women are not as happy as single women. It's so it's actually the reverse of the myth. So why do you say that about women? That they're why do not I say as happy? that they're not? Well, here's what happens. Married women want the relationship, and they're willing to put in more work to have it. However, because we tend to believe that this is as good as we can get, Mm-hmm. We will actually make ourselves be happy when what we've got is more lemon than lemonade. And we mm-hmm. need some sugar to put in there to make yes. it turn into lemonade. And we'll try to get along anyway. Mm-hmm. And so what we, ha- what we have happening is a rise in the amount of cheating that not just men are doing, but that women are doing now, too. Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. My name is Omar, and I had a question. You know, I know you were talking about good men for women, but I mean, I'm trying to find out the man for a man, but no. <laughs> um, what about the listeners um, on this gorilla quiz? Like, can you explain like where we can take it or, you know, what is it going to, what is it going to teach us? Okay. So, um, I've identified 12 different types of men and it's based on what motivates them, what drives them. It's based on their basic character. For okay. example, one that you would already know that everybody would be familiar with is a shark. We all know that a shark is a man who is motivated by financial success. And so that's what drives him. He he may be a workaholic because he wants to make money. He wants the latest um, Rolex watch. He wants the biggest house on the street. He he wants to be the top salesman in the office. And there's a lot of women that want that kind of man. They want someone who's motivated to provide that good life. Well, there's, yes. <laughs> well, I'm going to guess that, well, since you're yes. in a creative industry, radio, yes. 
you probably also have some panther in you. Mm. Because the, the panthers are the artists. They're very creative. All right. Will, you a shock so, panther. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, Will and Omar, for you to find out which type of mammal you are, you can take my free quiz. And it's called the Guys Gorilla Quiz. Okay. It's on my website. It's at www.gorillalove.com. And women can take the Gorilla Quiz to identify what type any man in their life is. So, for example, Paula could go on there and take the Gorilla Quiz about the last five guys she dated. And it's going to tell her, oh, this one's mostly a panther, this one's mostly a gorilla, this one's mostly a shark. And so it gives you information to work with. Wow. Angela, I have a question for you. Um, Because, you know, when women meet men, you know, the first thing, you know, they have a lot of swagger. You know, they got that golden, that silver tongue. Um, They do the dog (laughs) and pony show. So that's nine times out of ten. That's why we think we um, have found the right guy. My question to you is that women, because we're natural nurturers and, you know, women talk a lot and we are more expressive. Um, Why can't men really be honest to really express themselves when it comes to women? It's always about the show or they're not really being true or they're not being forthcoming with their feelings. They're very guarded where women are not very guarded with their feelings because if we're in love with you, we're going to tell you that we're in love. Most of the time, what I find, cause I've talked to a lot of men, you know, a lot of men will, you know, they throw a lot, they throw the word. I love you around like lava rocks mm-hmm. because a lot of men tell me that they'll, they'll look a woman straight dead in her eye and say, I love you. I'm in love with you. Just to get the cookies, knowing that you really don't. So you're setting a woman up for hurt when you should just say, hey, I just want to get your cookies. And if if she says no, then the answer is no. You just go on to the next person. Why do they do that? Why do you guys do that? Can I speak on the male behalf? (laughs) I can give you a couple of answers for that. Okay. Uh, Out in nature, it's the man, the male of the species, like think about peacocks or different kinds of birds or different kinds of animals, it's the male who has to attract the female. So naturally in his DNA, the man is trying to do whatever he can to attract those sexual partners. That's just natural. Now, when it comes to what you just described, a man who is just after the cookie, Mm -hmm. what you're talking Mm -hmm. about is another type that we already know about, and that's called a wolf. A wolf measures his success in the numbers. It's not about the love. It's not about the relationship. It's about the numbers. Oh, I got that one. Yeah, I'm a winner. Oh, that one wants me too. Yeah, I'm a man. Oh, I want this other one over here and I can get her. And and so when you're dealing with a wolf who's emotionally immature, he is so seductive. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, he makes it so juicy. He makes you feel so beautiful in the moment because in the moment he thinks you're the most beautiful woman in the world. That's exactly why you need to know about the 12 types of men so mm-hmm. that you can recognize what's in front of you and not be swayed by that surface appearance. But why do they why do they think that women are so weak? Well, sometimes we are. Uh, that all a woman wants to hear is that I love you. Is that because you didn't get it when you were growing up? Is it a daddy issue? That is the, to me, that is the, the 
key, the, the killer for everything. Once I tell her I love you, I got her. Hook, line, and sinker, she'll do anything for me, knowing that you don't. Okay, so what what happens, and, and like I said, what you're describing is a wolf, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you that wolves are predatory, and they tend to hang out in online dating. The majority of the good men are not in online dating because they're, the majority of good men are not predatory. They're actually going to be more authentic. They're going to be more honest. They're going to be more open. Mm-hmm. And what, what what's the Those good man? Um, is that the sharp? Is he the best man? No, I'm a sure. It depends on the woman, what she wants. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so if I for decide... Me, for instance, my, my favorite kind of men are gorillas. Gorillas. You like gorillas. But I do. That's why I put them on the cover of my book. But my marriage to a panther. So how do you, when you realize that you you found what you like, let's say, you know, I'm a gorilla, because that's what you married, I guess. Um, how do you keep the relationship hot and juicy and spicy? Like, you know, am I supposed to look for a fish? Like, I'm confused. Like, is the female, she, <laughs> is she a shark? Or, I mean, I'm lost. Okay. So that's a really, really good question. And was that Omar or was that Yeah, Will? that's Omar. Yeah, that's Omar. Okay. Omar, that's a really good question. Because one of the reasons that women are straying and they're going out there cheating and that men have been cheating for a long time is because you start out the relationship hot and heavy and mm-hmm. it's so sexy and it's so fun and you just, I mean, I, I, I don't want to get rude on this thing, but you get, you get <laughs> totally aroused and, and, and ready mm-hmm. for that man or for that woman when they just are walking across the room. And three years later into the marriage, you're like, oh, her? Oh, yeah, okay, so what? <laughs> yeah, because oh. I think in the beginning, you're like, oh, that's the one right there. I got to have her. You know, I got to have them. You right. know, you you sell it you sell it from the door and then I guess like you said you know a few late few days hours later you know you see somebody else walk by you know they the one I'm confused which one the one. Okay, so if you're truly being attracted uh, one hour two hours later to somebody else, so I think it's that one, not this one. I hate to tell you this, but that's partly a sign of immaturity. I can agree with but, that. <laughs> but. But what I'm going to tell you is how to make the relationship last long and be juicy and fun and exciting. I've been married to my husband 25 years now. And I I am not kidding. It's juicier now than when we first met. I am hotter about that man than I was when we first met. And he is about me. Well, what's the secret? Okay, here's the secret. Mm -hmm. And and you're probably not going to like it, but I'm going to tell you. When we are open and vulnerable and real and authentic and someone else listens to us and cares about us and is there for us, we bond deeper and deeper. Mm. Some people talk about it being uh, being able to have sex on a spiritual level, mm-hmm. but what it with really your clothes is, on. yeah, that's but intimacy really with your clothes is, on. You know, that's my favorite thing. And I'm telling you, intimacy where you're open and vulnerable and real and authentic and the other person loves you and accepts you and you can say to somebody, honey, I know you have a problem this way or that way and I love you anyway. That's how it stays juicy for 25 years. You know, this, all the words that you said, I'm just like blown away. All the words, I had a conversation um, this morning with one of my friends and those are all the words that I uttered. 
and that we were talking about it. I'm just like amazed. So that lets me know yeah. that's confirmation and that I was on the absolute right track. I, I'm very happy. Okay, well, so get is my that, book. Is that meaning that you would love the? Is that mean that you would like? I guess love the person like more than yourself, or you would give more of them. Like, I mean, how would you? You know, you're giving these things. Is that taking less from yourself, or like I'm? I'm trying to understand that part. Is this Omar again? Yes. Mm-hmm. Omar, you got the deep good question. Okay, <laughs> so here, here is the answer to that. Um, boundaries are how I say my own values. And if I give up my own values to go over and take care of you, and some people say you got to give 110% and everything, all that kind of stuff. But if I give up myself and who I am, my real person, my authentic person, to go over and take care of you and help you out, when it's not an emergency and not a crisis, then I've, I have lessened myself that's in the relationship. And you need two fully present people in the relationship, two people who are being fully authentic and the best they can be, not one that's only half there because she's given up who she is to take care of him or vice versa. And I think that that happens a lot in marriages, and that's why um, women from 40 going forward, um, when they start finding their identity and who they are and they are looking for the individuality, this is where they begin to grow and they they're, they're they have checked out mm-hmm. because they're really yes. checking yes. into themselves right. and yes. they no longer want to do what they were normally doing because you have invested so much you forget, you've lost yourself and your husband you've yes. lost yourself in your children you know you, you just lost you don't even know who the heck you are but when you start I'm going to use the word emerge and start finding this new person it's just amazing, but nobody else in the household gets it because they think that you're having a midlife crisis. It's just that, no, it's now it's about me right now, mm-hmm. and I want to do me. So interestingly enough, in other countries, and I'm going to speak to France specifically, the French think that a woman comes into her own and is at her sexiest when she's in her 40s. Okay. Now, unfortunately, here in America, we have this ridiculous worship of women in their 20s who are really too immature to hold a, a deep relationship. And if you get a real man and he has a choice between a woman in her 40s who's fully right, fully there, fully emerged into her true self versus a 20-year-old who's just starting to find herself, he'll go for the 40-year-old yeah, every time. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, you know what? This is Will again. I have one final question for you. What advice do you have to share on mate selection, and does chemistry really play a part in it? So chemistry will sell you down the river. Oh. Chemistry, chemistry and, and, and all the media, you know, thinks that chemistry is the litmus test for yeah. whether or not we really have it. Well, chemistry, true deep chemistry is something that you build over time. And yes, you can feel immediate chemistry, but that immediate chemistry, that's just um, the basic drive to mate to propagate the species. That's all that is. And if you, if you buy into that, it might as well be that you're at the bakery and that uh, chocolate brownie is saying to you, eat me and I have no calories. <laughs> so it's a lie. Okay. That is a lie. Oh, okay. I always thought chemistry, that, you know, I was like, there was no chemistry, so they're not the one. So chemistry, chemistry, you said, is something that builds over time. 
that good, deep, long-lasting chemistry. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I mean, honey, I, I'm old. I'm way beyond forty, mm. and I'll tell you, there's some men out there, and they walk by, and my pieces start boiling up a little bit. Oh no! But I'm not gonna <laughs> you better do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to run over there and do anything about it uh-huh. because I've got long-term deep chemistry with my man. Right, right. Wow, wow, wow. So how can people learn more? How can people get a copy of Gorillas Make Great Lovers and then definitely find out more about your programs that you offer? Okay, so you can buy my book on Amazon, and it's about 12 bucks plus shipping. Okay. Or you can go to my website, and there's a code there that you can use to get a discount, so you get it for a little bit less. Oh, and again, my website is gorillalove.com. And all the basic stuff that I teach is in the book. And people who want to do it yourself can read the book, and it, there's some great stories, mm-hmm. and it's easy to read, and it talks about boundaries, and it talks about chemistry, and it talks about uh, all the 12 types of men. If you want well, if you wanted to be in the Olympics, mm-hmm. let's say you wanted to be a gymnast or a swimmer or what do you like? What's your sport? Oh, sport. Mm, okay. No. Yes. Football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, football. That's it. No, football, that's not okay. Olympics. That's not an Olympics. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Running. I like running. Even though my hip running. Hurt. Okay. So let's say you wanted to be you wanted to be a hundred yard dash guy in the Olympics. Right. You could you could read a book. That would give you, in fact, there's a bunch of books out there that could give you lots of information about how to improve your, your sport and how to get better. But the thing that will make the real difference for you is when you get a coach. Uh, yeah. And that's why, that's why I'm a coach. Okay. Awesome. I, the people who really want to make Olympic-level great relationships want a coach. I think you can relate that to like gym and working out as well. Um, I think when you yeah. just in general, you know, you can think about it all your own, but when you get someone to help you or assist you, motivator, you mm-hmm. know, you you definitely see um, better results. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, thank you, Angeline, so, so much for coming on the show. Yeah, I'm delighted to be on your show. I love your panel. Great question. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you gave me a lot of things to think about. I know I'm Paula. Gonna... I saw a few light bulbs going in her head. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I was taking a quiz as you all were talking. <laughs> oh, were you? Oh, God. Oh, God. Omar. Yes. Thank you so much for oh, coming on the show. Which, we really appreciate it. Which animal that. are you since you took the quiz? I, I, um, I don't want to say in front of all these people. <laughs> <laughs> we want to know. I don't want to say because then you know, I might not be the right one are for them. Are you the wolf? No, I'm I'm self evaluating myself. <laughs> but let me let me tell you to give you a little hint then. When you take that quiz, it isn't just going to say you're a shark or you're a gorilla. What it's gonna do is it's gonna tell you what percentage of each of those twelve types you have. So it gives you a full profile. Oh, that's good. And, I'm gonna take that get home. I'm gonna take There's two home. that you wanna watch out for and that's crab and rat. Crab and rat. Mm. Crab and rat. We don't want no crabs <laughs> or rats. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Angela. Thank you so well, much for coming fun. on. You're so very, very welcome. My pleasure. All right. Have a good evening. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was very interesting. That was that, interesting. That, I saw some light bulbs going from your head. Yeah, Nancy. that was very interesting. That yeah. was um, That was very – I was quiet. I was just taking on listen to But um, you know, I wanted to answer your question. You said why men be so um, – charming and they don't tell you the truth off front that's what you asked her correct yeah my question was why do they do the um do well that's yeah 
we're gonna hold that. We're gonna put that in the parking lot. We get, get to Omar about his. <laughs> he's been holding all evening patiently. So know. we're gonna talk about first. We're gonna we're gonna segue into that. So yes, I still don't understand. I understand the pill. It, the pill to me, from what I've been understanding about the pill prep, we're talking about. There has to be a cure somewhere. So this is just a way that they can still make money off this disease, but just not give us the cure for it that will eradicate the disease. I don't understand how you can take this pill, and it, is it 100% effective? No. Oh, it's not? No. 99 point something? Yeah, very close. See? Okay. Okay. So, Omar, talk. Well, the pill's called PrEP. Um, Does that stand for something? P-R-E-P, yeah, P, I mean, post, pre-exposure prophylactic. Pre-exposure okay. prophylactic. I'm sorry? Yeah, the actual pill is Travada. Okay. Um, and um, you can take it once a day, um, one pill a day, um, and this helps you um, build up the immune, assist, immune system to fight off um, the HIV virus if you come in contact with it. Um, it's also supposed to be used in conjunction with protection as far as condoms okay. um, because it doesn't protect you against any other STDs, um, but it does help you... Um, it only works if you come in contact with the virus, mm -hmm. you know, and so, but you never know if you're ever going to come in contact with it. So it's good to take it every day to constantly build your immune system up. Is it no. um, right now, it is totally free to anyone in the Hampton Roads area. Um, VDH on um, Department of Health. Um, if you go to Norfolk Department or you, um, I work for a nonprofit organization. Um, if you come over to our, our nonprofit, we could definitely sign you up. What is it? Um, the LGBT Life Center. Okay. Um, if you. Call city? Is in um, Norfolk and Hampton. Okay. Um, if you give us a call, you know, um, we can definitely set you up um, with the regiment. Um, and it's totally free for the next year, uh, sponsored by um, the Virginia Department of Health. See, yeah, because I, I'm sorry, I, because it, it's on the commercials now, it's mm -hmm. on the radio. So the way that they um, promote it is that if you take it, that you won't come in, if you come in contact with somebody with the virus, you won't get the virus at all. That's the way that they're promoting. It. Absolutely. And then I think another big misconception is is that like because you know how like you said you have to use it in conjunction with condoms. Like people think you can use prep and that's it. You don't have to use condoms because um, I've heard several times because I not too long ago I was doing a, um, I was asking questions about prep and I had some friends and they are in. So you just taught me something. Because they told me that, you know, you don't have to use, they don't use condoms and stuff like that because um, it build up that. So, yeah, um, but I guess they're only worried about ST, STDs. STDs. They're not worried about other STDs. Um, yes, it will fight off the HIV virus if you come in contact with it. Um, it builds up your uh, immune system so that you can fight it off if you come in contact with it. But it's not going to stop the transition of the transmission of any other right. STDs. Or anything like yeah. that. Nothing like that. So, I, you know... Well, you brought up a good point because you're like, if they can come up with this prep, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, why can't you come up with the uh, cure? Yeah. Because it's like you're, to me, it's like you're knocking on the door mm -hmm. with a um, cure. Mm -hmm. So are you just going to go this far? So is it a money game or, money game. or is it, totally or better. do we really want to, I mean, because totally it has affected my family as well. So, mm. you know. What do you think is going to happen in the next five years? Do you think because they came up Eventually with something else will come up, and they'll go ahead and cure this one. I, I, I think that they're they're probably on the brink of a cure. Um, I personally think that because if you can, like y'all said, come up with a pill that can stop the transition. You also There's also medicines that lowers the 
lower the virus in yeah. people who are positive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the pill that you're taking actually is an HIV pill. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's, it's a similar pill that they would give to people um, who for are for treatment who are positive. Um, has different different actual medications in it than that one, but it's, it's very, very, the, the actual Tavada pill is actually one of the pills that you would give someone who is positive. So technically you are taking medicine that um, a, a, a retroviral that a person who's positive would be taking. Yeah, because I look at Mike, um, Magic Johnson, and, I mean, he looks amazing because, you know, there's other people that I know that have, that are HIV positive yeah. that um, that have suffered, that, yeah. are, that are suffering greatly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, some people that I know have died, but it's complications of the HIV, not HIV itself. Mm-hmm. And I look at him, I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious. He probably has the best doctors. Yeah, and, sure. um, and actually, the, the pill has been out since 2012. Um, it just kind of made its way into Virginia within the last year. Um, but it started out in California um, and I want to say San Francisco. Not San Francisco. Um, but over, it was over in, in, in um, there, over in California. And then it kind of slowly made its way out. But the pill has been out since um, 2012. I wonder how they tested that. Isn't mm-hmm. isn't there like a ninety day process that they have you have to take the pill for like ninety days to see how it build up in your system? Because I was also told there are side effects that also this pill can damage your liver. That's why you have to do the ninety days. Um. Well, I've been on prep for about a month now, um, and there are some side effects. Um, they give you a long list of do's and don'ts. I mean, it's actually on the actual pamphlet that you give you. Um, it could damage your liver. Um, Ooh. but there's other drugs that people can take that can damage other people with cancer there's drugs that you take that could do damage to your body you know what i'm saying this is a lot of different things so um but my question to people um and considering one of the reasons why i did consider to take prep is that somebody was like you know who wants to take a pill every day and i said well what is the opposed situation you contract hiv because you're having unprotected sex and then what do you have to do take a pill every day mm-hmm. so would you rather take one beforehand or take one afterwards and that's why I was going to ask you why you why you why did you start taking prep? Were you nervous taking it? And now that you're taking it, do you use a condom? Um, Is that have, too personal? No, it's not. I don't have sex, um, <laughs> and it's kind of weird that I got a little older, and, and my mind started kind of like y'all was talking about women in their forties. You know, um, I, I kind of changed my lifestyle in the last two years, and so. Um, I'm, I'm not really having sex because I'm looking for a mate. And so there's a lot of things that I've changed in my life, you know, to better myself. And prep was another step that I wanted to take because I don't know what my mate is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I mean, the, 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 stati- I mean, the statistics for black MSM is the ratio for black men, black gay men to have HIV is one in two. So they're pretty much saying that from the two of us sitting here, one of us will be positive. That's the, the ratio they're moving oh, yeah. to. Yeah, and so with that being said, I don't know what my mate is going to look like, you know, who I'm looking. And so am I going to not date him because he's positive? You know, am I not going to date him because, he, you know, it's, there's a lot of things that it come to as, as you mature in the life, in your own personal life. And so, you know, I don't, I don't want to knock out that and be like, okay, well, he's positive. I can't deal with that. You know, I can be ready for that situation and head on, and we can have an intelligent educational conversation about it if my relationship if I becoming, if I start dating a, part, a person who's positive, and that's one of the things that I find that I think is amazing that, you know, I know a lot of my, I have a lot of gay male friends, but they don't, 
it's not the no judge zone again. If even if they are HIV positive, but if you happen to fall in love with them, you can deal with that. You know, and that's a that's a dangerous situation. But you would rather you're in love, and it's un, again. That's my word. It's unconditional. It doesn't matter. I didn't. Get, can, I had to grow there. You know, right. there was there was a the moment when I wouldn't date anyone who was mm-hmm. positive. You know, but in this lifestyle, I'm just being honest. I don't believe there's any man who's dated off a chat line or a site or whatever can actually say they've never had sex with someone who's HIV positive because you don't know the status of every person that you've been with. That's true. Okay, okay, so we only have a few minutes left in the show. We have a couple topics that I want to go over. But I want to see if you guys have heard about the letter that Madonna wrote in the 90s that has surfaced. I saw uh, that. It's gotten chicken a little bit of hot water. But she said... She said, I've made so many people angry that I'm being punished and basically made to be quiet and sit in the corner. Um, whole other less interesting and exciting people are reaping the benefits of the roads that I've paved. She said, I'm so unequivocally frustrated that uh, to read that Whitney Houston has the music career that I wish I had and Sharon Stone has the film career that I'll never have. Not because I want to be these women, because I'd rather die, but they're so horribly mediocre and they're always being held up as paragons of virtue or some sort of measuring stick to humiliate me. I want to ask you guys, you know, how do you handle your haters? Have you ever been hated on? Um, how do you handle them? You're not successful if you don't have haters. <laughs> you're not. Yeah. If you don't have nobody hating on you, you're not doing nothing in life at mm-hmm. all. You're just there, you're existing. Um, when you have haters, you have to understand that it's, some, it's, it's nothing that you're doing that's wrong. wrong. It's something inside them that they just feel like they can't get because you never know. Like sometimes what haters don't understand is about when they see a successful person, the backstory. Mm-hmm. They don't oh, understand yeah. how that person got to where they got to. Like you might wake up every day with a smile, but that smile came at a cost. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And if people just instead of hating, say, "Hey, can you give me?" I don't even have to be your role model. Just say, "Hey, give me some pointers." You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Any successful person. Don't mind seeing another exactly. successful person. Exactly. They don't feel threatened by that. Right. I guess my, my situation would be if you think that everyone who don't like you are hating on yeah. you. I mean, I would think then there's something wrong with you. I don't have to be your hater because I don't like your music. Yeah. You know, I don't have to be your hater because I'm not your friend. You know, you're just not something that I'm interested in. I'm not hating on you. Mm-hmm. I respect your space and your boundaries and what you have going on. Um, so I don't think that if a person has... Um, People who don't like them or a person who's just not interested, I would consider every, that person a hater. Yeah, right. And you also remember when you say that, I, I've heard a lot of people who say they're hating on me. And I'm looking, I'm like, you don't have nothing. <laughs> you got to have something for people to hate on. Yeah, so I, that's sometimes a misused word. Right. I, I I think sometimes that term just gets thrown out there too easily. Yeah. Like, because if I say, Kabaza, I don't like your shirt today, that don't mean no, I'm hating on right. Kabaza. Yes, that means I just don't right. think that shirt compliment you yeah, <laughs> at that right. particular time. But I love Kabaza to death. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And I just think. So you don't like my shirt? Maybe. <laughs> 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 but no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying people are just so sensitive nowadays, and everything. If somebody don't say something that you like, they're a hater. It's okay. It's called life. You'll be over it. That one person deter you that much, then you maybe need to go back to the church. But I want to know why Madonna thinks that she was the um, the mastermind or the um, I can't even think of the word. Her, her singing. Yes. I think- I, why does she think that she was the um, 
I can't even think of the word. I'm she so flabbergasted. That she that she laid down the foundation for everybody to um, bite off of her like that. Yeah. I, I mean, what was she doing? She she made the song like a virgin, and what else? The, well, in, <laughs> well, I don't know. In her defense, because you know, I read this too, because I like Madonna also. I think in that time, because in that time in the era. Everybody was coming out. Madonna was in her lane doing her thing. Whitney was in her lane doing her thing. And everybody was doing their thing. But in like with females, when they are in the music, they always pin them against each other. Mm-hmm. So you kind of build that tension and that, that what people call that hate. But you know what I'm saying? If, like Madonna has been a very successful woman. She has paved the way for those Britney Spears, those Christina Aguilera, those, those rock, those pop chicks. She has paved the way. So I think in the 90s, she might have just been young and stupid. She just said something stupid out of her feelings. And now, because there's no way that anybody right now can, I can say Madonna's a pop icon. If you say she's not, then you don't know music. That's true. I, I think yeah, she okay. just has her own lane, and she should stay in it. And stay in it. <laughs> I agree with that. But you know what? We've been talking a while. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have intimate expressions. We haven't had that in a while. We have intimate expressions basically when I interview you guys. We've been interviewing other people. So I'm going to interview you, give you a chance to express yourselves. Some, some people, I know it's one person here, it's a lot of misconceptions about them. Um, but I'm going to give them an opportunity to. Um, I, everybody looking at Omar. What? I didn't say nothing. Omar, check them. Check them. But you know what? This is Let's Face It. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It. We'll be right back. Have you seen Dr. Roberts about that sore in your mouth? Nah, I'm sure it'll go away. But it's been weeks. It could be oral cancer. Mouth cancer? Yeah. I read that it's more common in African-American men than in any other group. All right, all right. I'll make an appointment. Do you have a tough guy in your house? Make sure he sees a doctor or a dentist if he has a sore in his mouth that lasts more than two weeks. If it is oral cancer, it can be treated more successfully if it's caught early. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. Battles aren't won solely on the field. That's a common misconception. Battles are won within over enemies of fear, enemies of doubt. In that place where promises are kept. Promises to oneself. This is a physical training event. Promises to one's community. Healthy people move debris out of their house. Promises to one's country. In the heart of every Marine, you'll find a promise. A promise forever kept. A promise of Battles Won. As a mother, you don't want to have to worry about this bill is coming, but then she needs this chemo. That's a decision you shouldn't have to make. It's a huge burden lifted financially. And so it allows you to give singular focus to your child. I've never known a hospital that takes care of their patients so thoroughly. That was the first thing I was like, how are we going to do this? When they told us that we didn't have to pay a single bill, I was like, wow. They pretty much have saved us. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders. And now your focus is supporting this child. 
There is not another hospital like St. Jude. The patient care is unmatchable. It saved my life. It saved my daughter's life. It saved our family. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Everyone is talking about health care these days. America spends twice that of other developed countries on our health care system, yet our health ranks near the bottom. How can we stop spending so much and getting so little? Shifting to a system based on primary care can help fix the problem. Patients with a primary care doctor live longer, healthier lives and are less likely to suffer from cancer, heart disease, or stroke. Primary care that is comprehensive and coordinated also saves money. Patients who have a primary care doctor spend 30% less on health care than patients who don't. States with a high number of primary care doctors have lower health care costs and higher quality care. Primary care can help make America healthy again. To learn more about the benefits of primary care, visit www.healthisprimary.org. This message is brought to you by America's Family Physicians. And now, a message from the American Migraine Foundation. It's an absolute nightmare. I was terrified. It was like, your head's going to explode. Migraine is a disabling disease. Just all of a sudden couldn't see. Migraine has ruined my life. Absolutely terrifying. There's pain that does not stop. It's a throbbing, pulsing, banging, hammering feeling in your head. 36 million Americans suffer. I started getting migraines around five years old. Just takes over everything. I feel trapped by migraine. It hurts like my head's going to like fall off and the whole world around you stops my world has gotten small you feel like the world's closing in on you there's nothing you can do i had spent a year housebound it's like you're trapped in your head there's no escaping it you can't leave your body don't suffer alone make your move against migraine visit americanmigrainefoundation.org to find help okay we're learn coming more back. Coming and back. get connected you're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the show. We have our last few minutes of the show. We're going to do the part where I call it Intimate Expressions with Will Strayhorn. We have our guest. Say your name again. I forgot. LaVar. <laughs> LaVar. Omar. Omar. And we have Miss Paula B. from Positive Reality. Yes. So, Paula, we've done this with you before. So, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you guys the same question. Think about it and just speak honestly from your heart. I'm going last. We want, yeah, you, you go last. Cause, so, my first question is, what life lesson did you learn the hard way? And either one of you can start first. What life lesson did you learn the hard way? Um, I learned that um, I love too hard. Oh, okay. Yeah. C- can you love too hard? Um, sometimes you can love a person more than they love themselves, uh, and so you're constantly giving, mm-hmm. and they're constantly receiving, mm-hmm. but there's no reciprocation, reciprocation on the on the on the giving. And sometimes you you stay in it hoping that things will change, and they and they don't. Okay. Um, my biggest test was that um, you don't always have to be strong. Actually, how vulnerable you are is actually prove how strong you is. It's because when you're vulnerable, that's you're willing to take chances, you're willing to get slapped in the face, and you're willing to take the hurt that come with any situation. Okay, Paula. 
I'm going to see. My life lesson, which I've had many over the years, I think um, to um, know how to embrace my individuality because I was so, I'm a person that is a pleaser. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll do anything to make you happy, um, even if it doesn't make me happy. Um, And I'm learning, I have learned not to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, to be more engaged in myself and make myself happy first because I'm always worried about everybody else. Am I doing the right thing for everybody else? If I made you upset, you know, um, so what if I made you upset? You have to get over it. Mm -hmm. Okay. For me, I think it would have to be, uh, this is like a work in progress, like the therapist next week. This is what we're going to deal with. Just learn the fact that I'm enough. Um, I think I've been deficient in that throughout my whole mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. But I've used objects, I've used people um, to validate who I was. And when they were gone, I was distressed. Like when my relationship ended, I was like suicidal, depressed, and going through it. And I just had to learn to love myself again, just to realize that I'm enough by myself. If I'm alone with somebody, you know, broke with money, I'm enough. Myself. Right, and, that, and that's fair. That's the same thing that uh, my therapist told me, and I yeah. don't mind sharing, is that, you know, we, because we have, we're codependent yeah. by a fault, mm-hmm. you know, and people take our kindness and love as a weakness mm-hmm. because they know how we are. Mm-hmm. So they can destroy us by saying, you know, I, doing things like I don't want to be with you or manipulating what can I do? Yeah. I mean, I w- you know, you're saying that you're not happy. Mm-hmm. What, what do I need to do to yeah. keep you? Rescue mode. Right. So after a while, you, you get tired. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then you really find, but when they find that, when you find that you're enough, uh-huh. they can't deal with that. Right. I, I kind of agree with that too. Um, in the last, I, I've been finding myself over the last few years, you know, and one of the things I didn't want to be was alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and I didn't want to live alone. I had roommates. I had a relationship. This and the thing. This and the third. But I, I've kind of found who I am, and so I can live a better, healthier life in my mental. You know, um, because I first had to find myself, and I had to be alone to find myself. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's what my therapist said today, because she even recommended that I go to a hotel by myself oh. for a weekend, <laughs> so I can. Because could you it, do that? I don't, I've never lived alone. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, you know, I've all, somebody's always been in yeah. my life, uh-huh. so I've never done that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was one of the things it's that it's a, yeah, it's, it's a hard. challenge. You know what I mean? So, because I, I love people, I love being around people, mm-hmm. but I know how to enjoy myself now. I learned when I, I had to move to Japan for like two years, and I, before I went to Japan, I could tell the two different type of people because I, I had. Like, I just thought I was, I was like, I'm successful. I'm a young black male. You know, so I got my own car, my own house, my own job. I thought all those material, like, materialistic things made me who I was. And I was like, anybody should want to be with me because I have this. Right, right. So then I, I didn't choose to go to Japan. It was like, well, I didn't want to go to Japan. It was my last option. And I feel like God put me there for me to understand that you don't need all of that because I was stripped of everything, you know what I'm saying? Not that I lost everything, it's just I couldn't carry it with me to Japan. Mm-hmm. So I had to start over, you know what I'm saying? People had to understand, like, you know, I'm on a journey. And for two years of being by myself and stripped of everything that I thought was me has made me understand that all I needed was me. I don't need nothing else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you guys made a couple points. A lot of people said you would do so much for other people. But my question to you is, what do you owe yourself? 
Oh, that's a good one. Um, to say what you owe yourself, I would definitely, I would definitely say it's time. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you hard on yourself? I've become more harder on myself, okay. um, be because of my life experiences. Um, because you allow, you can allow people. Some, some people don't know. Like I said, I love hard. You know, and I'm I'm willing to give a hundred percent in a relationship when I'm there. You know, and I'm willing to to take ownership of everything and and weigh it so heavily on myself until you know I have nothing left. And so, um, but time is something of the essence you can't get back. You know, and so I I, I would definitely say that time is definitely key and important and how you use your time. You know, and, and make sure that you're doing, you're using your, if whether it's by yourself or in your relationship or whatever it is that you're doing with your time, make sure that you are appreciating yourself in your space and your space and time. Hmm. Okay. I feel like you owe yourself forgiveness. Understand that you're not going to be perfect all the time. And then sometimes you're going through life and you think you did the right thing. And then sometimes you think you did right by the right person and you was absolutely wrong. But when the opportunity presents itself for you to fix it, mm-hmm. fix it, apologize, try to make it better. If the other person hasn't received your your apology or anything, just know that you've done the best that you could. And what you did when you apologized or when you, or, or when you tried to make it wrong and then it was completely genuine, that's all you can do. Forgive yourself and continue going on. Mine is to own who I am. Own who you are. You do a good job of that. Yeah, to, to own who I am, uh-huh. um, to embrace myself, um, my qualities, mm-hmm. even if people don't see it, yeah. um, and to um, begin to emerge in my individuality. Mm-hmm. That's what I owe myself. And most importantly, I owe myself happiness. Mm-hmm. Okay. For me, um, and I don't want people to take it wrong, I think it's just to uh, accept my greatness. Because so many times, you know, you've been with me when people try to compliment me on something. They can give me one compliment, and I'll give them, like, five reasons why they're wrong. Or they say they like the show. I say, yeah, but it's sometimes just kind of boring or whatever. I just I need to sit back and accept the, the progress that I've made. Sometimes um, I don't think I appreciate that for myself. And you should because I've told you a million times, not just because our relationship mm. – you are built for greatness. You do amazing things. You have yeah, but you, you have know. a lot. See, <laughs> you have a lot of gifts and talents, and a lot of people learn from you. Will, and you're a motivator, and you're an example, and you have been blessed with so much that I think sometimes it can be overwhelming for you. But again, every gift and talent that you have, it has reached out to the masses and that's what this is doing right now you know how many people you help doing this show if i could say that something to be honest like i look up to you and um you you were my big brother growing up in a lifestyle you and nate and um i appreciate it because in my weakest and my lowest points y'all were there to help me um and so um I would just appreciate and just thank you for all the things that you are doing and that you have done because you are a great person. You mm-hmm. are a great individual. Um, and, and you paved the way for a lot of people, and people won't, won't appreciate it. But I can say that I'm one of the people that will. Um, and there was nothing, that there was no time I could have called y'all phone and, and y'all didn't look out for me, and I want to appreciate that. I'm sure I owe y'all some money, but um, charge us <laughs> my heart. I also want to say, because um, I've known you for a long time also, like um, – you knew me when I was just young and didn't know what I was what I what I was doing from left or right sometimes. Mm. And I know I've called you several times in a little situation that, you know, I had, but you know I called you. 
But even to even you saying asking me to come on your radio show, I was very humble. I'm like little old me. <laughs> you want to listen to little old me? Like yeah. you know, and look at the awesome just, job you just, did. I'm just honored that to have a person in because you don't understand. Like sometimes you need that person yeah. to pour something into you. Sometimes yeah. And you don't know how big or how small it is, you know what I'm saying? You by you just doing it, you don't even know that you just inspire me to want to keep doing this, mm-hmm. you know? Like I love this. It was fun. I had a great time. I hope y'all call me you back. Did a good <laughs> job. You did a good yeah. job. You I mean, job. everything they're saying is true. I mean, what you have done for me um has been amazing. I would have in this last couple of months, I would have fallen apart. I would have cracked. Um, but your words of wisdom, your honesty, your being hard on me sometimes, which I didn't like, um, but being gentle with me um, and loving me and encouraging me and working together as a team has just been amazing. And you have just made my life so much better and opened up so and let me know that I can emerge by hanging out with you. And I appreciate that. I am because of you. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Say thank you, thank Will. You, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You know what? Okay, so show is about to end before I, before I lose it. But I want to give our guests the opportunity to share your social media because you have fans now. You have fans that want to follow you. So share your social media where they can get in contact with you. Um, or Instagram is shorty757 S-H-A-W T-I-E I work hard for that day I work hard for that money Ike S-H-A-W T-I-E 757 I'm LeVar Oliver on Facebook that's it I don't do a lot of social media I don't no speaking of that okay um Omar White on Facebook. Uh-huh. Um, that is that dude. D a d u d e underscore c a b a z a on Instagram. That dude Kabaza. Paula. Um, Facebook. I'm on Paula Allen Beckett mm-hmm. on. Um, I think She's with Dougie Fresh on her profile. Yes, Dougie picture. Fresh and Kumo D. I yeah. had a great time with those guys. Yeah. Um, on, I think my. Let's see, what is it? Instagram? I always she forget. Don't know. Yeah, she don't but know. it's Sassy Coco though. I can Sassy tell you that. Coco. Yes, that's what that's my name. That's my handle, y'all. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, thank you. You know, next weekend is our final show for our summer series. We will, take, we will be on break. Yeah, we're having our champagne and everything in here, yes. right? Um and then we'll be on break all of September. I mean all of August and we'll come back in September with T V and um the radio show. I'm so excited. So we're excited about that. Um, Until next week, make sure that you definitely tune in next week. Um, Everybody, be blessed. Will Strayhorn and friends, please be sure to visit us on the web at letsfaceitradio.com and at Let's Face It Radio on Facebook for the latest in show information and exciting, innovating ways that you can be a part of the show. So tune in next week, same place, same time. For real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it. Show.